Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You love them, you hate them, and you can't stop talking about them. Announcers, analysts, pundits, they're all fair game. It's Sports Media Mayhem with Alex Reamer. Time to let it rip. And welcome back to the show. Our NFL Media Roundtable wraps up here with Ben Fisher, who covers the league for Sports Business Journal. Ben, how are you, my friend? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for football. Yeah, I am too. Great to connect here with you after following along on Twitter for all these years. Um, so you wrote a really interesting piece in Sports Business Journal this week about the gerontocracy among NFL owners. We talk about it all the time in our politics, but we also really have it in the NFL, and you had just some incredible numbers in there. Only eight controlling owners in the league are too young for Medicare. The average age of a controlling owner is 72. Jerry Jones will turn 80 this year. Robert Kraft is 81. Arthur Blank, 80 years old as well. What does this mean for the league? Well, it means that one way or another, and I certainly don't want to suggest that any of these individual men are, are walking off the stage in the immediate future, but we can do the math one way or another that people that run the NFL are likely to be very different from the roster of the men who have run the NFL for the last 20 or 25 years in five to 10 years from now. And, you know, not unlike other parts of our lives, politics, we even hear stories about this in business, about this generation has held on longer than anyone anticipated. And um, they've done a lot of good things for the league, but there could be a very intense period of transition where there's going to be a lot of new faces in those rooms in a fairly short period of time. And there's some risk associated with that. And what is some of that risk? Well, most of it, it just comes down to the capabilities and competence of the owners. Um, the NFL is a little bit unusual compared to the other pro sports leagues. They've always expected their owners to do some heavy lifting in the ways the other leagues don't do. Um, you know, this is a little glib, but somebody once said that David Stern and Adam Silver tell the NBA owners what's going to happen. The NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, asked the owners what's going to happen. <laughs> and so the, the owners in football are generally much more influential. And, you know, they do real lifting, heavy lifting. There's committee structures. They, they don't just sit around and get reports. You know, if things go wrong in a, in a media negotiation, Robert Kraft gets on the phone and talks with the Redstones and talks with, uh, with the Murdochs. I mean, these owners do real work. And the NFL's great credit, one of the reasons it's been so successful for going on a century is that these owners have tended to be pretty good at it. Uh, but, you know, the franchises are bigger in value now. You know, just because you're wealthy doesn't mean you're good at running a football team. I think we can right. all point to some examples from that. Just because your father was a successful owner in the NFL doesn't necessarily mean you're going to. And, you know, without some fairly careful strategic approaches to this, the NFL could wake up one day and have a totally different group of owners. And, you know, they're at very least new and at very worst, just not as good as their dads or not as interested in doing that work. You know, if uh, if an associate vice president in the NFL calls a new owner, says, I'd like you to look over some numbers for a new proposal we've got. 
the owners really don't have to do that. It's their choice. You know, they're, mm. they're, 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 they run their own business, you know, they don't report to the league office. So it's a combination of both the competence and the desire to get involved in league business. And not all owners are at the same level about that. And you mentioned this in your article, and it's such a good point that the last 20, 25 years is, this is the most, the most, the most unprecedented time in NFL history in terms of growth and in terms of overall you know, league, league growth across all sports. I mean, the NFL is such, it's always been a monster, but it's such a monster now. And a lot of these guys are, as you mentioned, kind of nearing the end of the line. How is the league or these teams preparing for this inevitable changeover? Well, some of this has been going on for a little while now. They are trying to get in front of messy intra-family secession issues. Um, the biggest nightmare scenario for these NFL teams is when the families don't get along. Um, some of it is inherent to second or third generation. Most of the old line NFL teams, the Steelers, the Giants, the Cardinals, they're onto a third generation. And ask anybody who specializes in family business strategy. That's when family businesses tend to either be sold off and become like a proper publicly traded company or they just sort of disintegrate because there's too many people in that third generation. They're too far removed from like the original entrepreneurism right. of things. And a lot of NFL teams are at that point where, right. you know, even if, I mean, the Maras, there are dozens of people with the last name Mara who have like a uh, historical right to say what's going on with the New York Giants. The odds that all of them will be on the same page for an extended period of time gets to be pretty low. And, you know, the, the, the Roonies have faced issues like that. Uh, you know, Mike Brown of Cincinnati is 87 and he's got some granddaughters coming up. So the league has tried to um, make problems with the estate planning less likely. They've required teams to put forth an annual plan of secession. So if one of these guys does abruptly die or become incapacitated, there's no drama in the real time. It's like a 25th Amendment where there is a designated successor for these people. Um, they have reworked the ownership rules to try to minimize the estate tax. Uh, that's one thing that is a big problem for them, that when a team, a controlling interest in an NFL team is um, passed down from a father or a mother to the next generation, the taxes on that, because of how valuable the teams are now, can be more than they've gotten in liquid wealth. So then they have to sell them outside of the team under somewhat of an emergency situation. And that tends to lead to bad outcomes. And in general, the league is begging these aging billionaires to have frank conversations with their families. So there's no surprises. Like the thing that happened in New Orleans when Tom Benson changed, uh, gave his right. team to his wife rather than his daughter at the last second right. in, in his final months. That's the sort of thing that leads to bad outcomes. And the thing in Denver was a good example, how it ultimately ended really well for the league. But they have essentially had a vacancy at owner for nearly a decade. And it was a very important owner. And you'd never let that happen if that was like an executive vice president. But because it's an owner and you can't really tell him what to do with his asset, mm. your, your hands are your hands are tied. So the league has to get creative about this. It's it, it goes back to the inherent weirdness that is Roger Goodell being so powerful, but also subordinate to the owners. Right. Yeah. So it seems like we have a bunch of Logan Roy's running the NFL. Hopefully not a lot of Kendall Roy's for uh, for our secession references here. I had to get that in. Right. I mean, come on. It was too easy. Oh, our, our cover art for the story was this great, like, sepia-toned illustration of Roger Goodell in the Logan Roy <laughs> position and all the owners, you know, are looking at each other slightly askew. But it's a perfect – the show is a perfect uh, analogy for this because, you know – 
I am going to indulge in the assumption that a critical mass of your listeners have seen the show, but yes. Kendall Roy is a classic second generation right. uh, family business guy. Is that he's, he's not without his talents, but he's clearly not his father either. And right. you get outside experts and outside shareholders like, are you really going to give it to that guy? The, oh, the boss, the, the dad's like, well, I recognize he's not perfect, but he's probably the best choice of my four children. But then right. it gets late in life. He has a stroke. You start reconsidering things. Family relationships have a way of changing. And, you know, the NFL, I think, has is, is, is put a lot of thought into this and tried to get ahead of it. But as my story says several times, there's an inherent uncertainty in this process. So with that in mind, you also write that the league prefers ownership to stay within the hands of a single family. Why is that? You know, that's a surprisingly complex question because you can look what happened with the Broncos and say, well, they've got a new all-time sales record. All the Bolin children were made unbelievably wealthy, and now all the other NFL teams can say my team is worth X because the Broncos sold for this. And, you know, they get guys who ran Walmart for 30 years. Right. You may not like Walmart for political purposes, but it's the largest employer in the world. They clearly are good at what they do and are capable of joining the NFL. So you might say, well, why was that such a bad thing? Um, the league recognizes that that can be a good thing, but they see a lot of risk. They see the odds that some rich person that isn't particularly good at running a business might get the team. And they worry about what happens if those legacy families all go away at once. They like the fact that the teams that have gone way back together, the the, the, the Roonies, the Maras, the Bolins, um, they tend to be aligned and they tend to know the value of sticking together. They're league first people. One of the best things you can say about an owner inside the NFL is a league right. first guy. Right. And they know these old line families, even if they're not the most entrepreneurial or ambitious people about maximizing the value in the way that Jerry Jones is. John Mara, Art Rooney, Michael Bidwell down in Phoenix, Mike Brown in Cincinnati, they are very much aligned on what is best for the league. And even if they disagree with each other, they're going to get on the same page. And every time a team trades to a new owner, there's on some level a risk that that guy is going to become this generation's Al Davis and just like be a big pain in everyone's butt. Um, so they just they believe that as long as they can get some degree of coordination within the families, it's generally a good thing to keep them in the families if possible. And I know there are too many to name, but we can just go through the big ones here. How do the kids stack up to their parents? Um, well, the good news for the NFL is that the two guys who have been widely acknowledged to be the most influential owners, Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones, uh, they seem to have the succession pretty well in hand. Robert's son, Jonathan, yep. is, um, you know, it's hard to find anyone to say anything bad about Jonathan Kraft. Um, I wrote a big story about Robert Kraft when the SBJ gave his Lifetime Achievement Award in uh, in May. And, you know, people are falling over themselves to give all the credit to, to Jonathan Kraft. He's a very reliable right-hand man. Stephen Jones in Dallas um, is the oldest son of Jerry Jones. He's been involved in league business for a long, long time. I can't claim to have the same relationship with him that I do with the crafts, but he's on the competition committee. He is seen, I think, in practical terms as, if not actually an owner, a very senior junior owner, I guess. So those guys can step right in. And then Jerry Jones' other two children, Jerry Jr. and Charlotte Jones, um, also are very involved. So I think there's a pretty high degree of confidence there. Uh, Stan Kroenke's successor is Josh Kroenke, who already runs the Colorado Avalanche and Denver Nuggets. So does that necessarily mean he's good at the NFL? 
no, but there's a fairly high degree of comfort there. Um, but, you know, it's a short list of teams where this is clearly understood mm -hmm. who's going to be next. The Chicago Bears, is, as far as I know, have a bit of a question mark as far as what happens when Virginia McCaskey dies. And she is the oldest controlling owner. 99, right? Yes. She turns 100 on January 5th. And there's a lot of McCaskies. And there's some people that think that team would be better off being sold outside of the McCaskey family. And there's presumably some McCaskies who very much want to become the next controlling owner. But that's sort of a red, uh, shouldn't call it a red flag, but that is a big question mark. Um, so it's not so much that there's clearly, there's no Connor Roy's out there as far as I know. I don't <laughs> think there's any, I don't think there's any dedicated successor who is like absurdly ridiculous to think of in that role. There's probably a number of Kendall Roy's in there who, you know, have their strengths, but also yeah. we're going to keep looking for other alternatives in the meantime. And then I think the biggest scary, the scariest thing for an NFL is places where they just don't know. And I think there's more of those than they want to let on. Well, as long as they don't like uh, get on Twitter and try to do and put, throw themselves big 50th birthday parties like Kendall Roy, then maybe then, then maybe we'll be OK with that. Um Last thing I want to hit on with you, I didn't realize this because he is in great shape and I do loathe to give him credit, but Roger Goodell is 63 and that's the age where in business world, a lot of high powered executives start to form their own succession plans and wind down a bit. Um, yeah. What, what is the scuttlebutt there with Goodell and how much longer he could be at the helm? Because I don't think a lot of people realize again that he's in his mid sixties now. Don't, don't you hate it? I, I would I would never say this to his face, but he looks <laughs> 10 years younger than he is. He does. At least, and he's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's in great shape. You know, he'll make sure you understand that he was in the gym that morning. You yeah, ever right. talked to him, by the Sweet. way. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, there was we wrote a we wrote an accompanying piece, this ownership secession, trying to game out who's next in the commissioner's role. And Goodell is a real mystery on this. He's got two years left on his current contract. In 2017, it was said by the then league spokesman, former White House spokesman, Joe Lockhart, this would be his last deal. The league almost immediately walked that back and now says there's no time frame on Goodell leaving. I think it's widely understood that this next new contract he's currently negotiating will be his last. He would be, we're talking about either a two or four year extension on a deal that has two years left. So either 2026 or 2028. That'd make him either 66 or 68, squarely in re imminent retirement age. But, you know, he's in good health. His kids are out of the house. Some of the problems he had in like the 2010 to 2017 era seems to have dissipated. And what else is he going to do? Maybe he could make more money somewhere in corporate America, although I doubt it. One thing he's never going to do is have a job that's as important as the job he's got right now. He can get anybody in the world on the phone in right. about an hour and as commissioner in the NFL, whatever he does next, you know, his dad was a Senator. There's never been a sense that Roger Goodell wanted to get into politics and who wants that trouble? <laughs> Hell, I mean, yeah. he's King of the world as commissioner. So he may not even retire after his next contract. Um, mm. And you know, that's a, that's a hard thing to guess. And that's led to, there's been some speculation. There's been some very up strong up and coming junior executives, the NFL have seen that and said, well, I was going to wait him out, see if maybe I got a crack at commissioner, but I can't wait forever. Chris Halpin, a young, young, for early 40s guy, was chief strategy officer for the league, abruptly went to the media company IAC in January. Mm. And that was pretty widely read as not frustration exactly, but a recognition that if you're in your early 40s and you're counting on Roger Goodell's job to be open in the near future, you should probably 
should should reconsider that strategy. So hard to say what's next. I think Roger's there for at least another four to six years, though. Uh, the NFL, the games are great, but the palace intrigue is just as good. Ben Fisher, Sports Business Journal. Thanks for the time. Sure thing. Anytime.